0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: You may have a role like that, not seen or acknowledged or celebrated or thanked or whatever, and you really got to have the heart that says, I do this as unto the Lord. I, I do this for God. And if nobody ever sees it, I'm content to do it for the Lord. Anybody in ministry here, we have to serve God like that. We have to serve Him in a way that says, God, if nobody thanks me, if nobody thinks it's great, if it if it, it just I do it for you. And I give it my all because I do it is unto you, Lord.
0: It takes all kinds of people to make up this world. There are people who aren't comfortable in the spotlight, and there are others who thrive in it. Pastor Bill reminds us today that no matter what your call is in life, It's important to God's plan, whether you're up front being known or you're in the back, making sure everything goes according to plan. Your role is vital. Let's not get caught up with the gratitude of men because it's fleeting. Do what you do unto the Lord and he will reward you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter four, as he continues his message, Spiritual Teamwork.
1: I want to challenge all of us that we be people that do well under grace that we don't need a man pressing us, right? You look at the difference between a shepherd and a, a, someone that's, you know, shepherds lead sheep, kind of, it's a real gentle thing. They lead, they, they go in front, they, they use their voice and they lead them somewhere. Um, but if you look at someone that's herding buffalo, they're behind them, they're poking them in the butt, you know, they're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole different interaction someone herding buffalo than someone leading sheep. And we have a good shepherd. And he wants to lead us and he leads us by his voice. He leads us by his spirit. He leads us by his word. God doesn't want to get behind you and go, get, get and be poking you and prodding you. He wants to be in front leading you out. And so we want to, we want to develop that where God, I want to be able to be led. I don't want to be driven. The thing I was asking you to consider for yourself is do you serve well under grace when you have the liberty to do whatever you want? How do you do in that scenario? And I know for me and my wife, we, um, when, we first, when I first got saved, we were going to a church together that was very small. And I think that her and I were there serving. There were some weeks we were there all seven days of the week. We were Monday night, choir practice. You know, Tuesday night, Something Wednesday night midweek study Thursday night young adults Friday night something else you know Saturday deacon meeting Sunday church morning church evening maybe a visiting somewhere else I mean we were there all the time and then once you get there that, I, I almost think that's how they kept people they just kept giving you jobs to you I need you to do that I need you to do that I'll be me and this other guy I'll be there overnight Friday night when they were selling barbecue dinners on Saturday, cooking up the barbecue. We'd literally be there overnight at the church, barbecuing up. They had a fireworks stand. I would stay overnight securing the fireworks stand with other guys. Seven days a week, you'd be there serving, 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 serving. And I remember being there. And if you didn't show up on a particular Sunday, you would get in a call. If you didn't work there by a certain hour, you were going to get ringed up. Hey, where you at? What's going on? Um, you know, there was, a, there was a, a lot of pressure of man to to perform and to do things. And I remember when we left that and we went to Chapel Chapel Down, huge big old church I mean we, we could have not went nobody would have knew we could have not gave nobody would have known I remember when I got there I realized for the first time right now it's I'm I really feel like this is I get to choose to be in fellowship regularly you know like now I don't feel a pressure like if I don't come someone's gonna call me so now if I'm coming I, I it was a liberating thing to feel like I, I actually want to go I'm going because I, I want to go But if I didn't want to go, no one would be calling me. And it felt good to know that this is what I want to do. I want to be there and I want to be involved and I want to go to that and I want to serve. But I didn't get to experience that until I was in a place where there wasn't the other pressure, you know. And so I just challenge all of us to consider what kind of person we are, you know, rather we can serve well under grace. Or do you need someone prodding you behind? Because that's not really the way that the Lord wants to lead us here and now. And so that was the sons of Kohath. And that was how they were called to serve. Look at verse 16. The appointed duty of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of the tabernacle of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishing. So Eliezer, the son of Aaron, was going to be given oversight. He was going to be in a position of overseeing all these really important things. Anointing oil, the daily grain offerings, the sweet incense. Um, These were things that only the priest was to be handling and the priest was to be dealing with. And so this is Eliezer's, this is is his role, this is his job, this is the part he plays in the body. And once again, um, the sons of Kohath couldn't look at Eliyahu and say, "I want to be an overseer. Why well, I got to be under somebody else? Why well, I got to carry things like a donkey?" And he get to oversee and handle fine, delicate stuff. Everybody had their place, right? Everybody had their role. Everybody had the part that they were supposed to be playing. And I, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but anybody here ever been ever you ever been in a scenario where you wondered why you were where you were and someone else was where they were? It could be at work. It could be in sports. It could be a ministry, but have you ever been in a place where you, you're looking at someone else and wondering, how come they're there and I'm here? I want to be in that role. And I would just tell you right now, it's a really, really unhealthy place for a believer to be. I've always got to look at where God has me. As long as I'm following him, that if where I am right now is where God has me, then to complain against where I am is a complaint against God. It's saying, God, you're not good to me right now. God, you're not being fair to me right now. I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate where you have me right now. But again, if I walk in faith, then I would say, God, wherever you have me right now is where I'm supposed to be. It's where I'm going to flourish. It's where I'm going to learn of you the most. It's where I'm going to be molded into the man you want me to be. And if right now you have me here, then I got to be OK with that. I got to be good with wherever God has me at every season. Uh, all we want to make sure is that we're, we're there on assignment, that God has you where you are. Now, if you would not ran away from the Lord and got yourself off into some mess, it, it wouldn't be bad to stop and reset. But if you've been walking with the Lord and he has you in a place, be content. Don't ever want for something else when God has you somewhere. Be content where he has you until he moves you. But don't be discontented in the will of God. We're to be content wherever he has us. Look at verses 17 through 20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, do not cut off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. But do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint each of them to his service in his task. But they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered, lest they die. So here, interesting uh, instruction is given that the Kohathites wouldn't die. And he said it earlier, but now he's reiterating it. Um, they're not to look at or touch the holy things. There's some things that God says, these things are so holy. No one unapproved is to touch them, right? Within the tabernacle, the same thing existed in the, in the temple. There was a, holy, a place called the Holy of Holies. It was a holy place, and then there was the holiest of all, the Holy of Holies, where behind the veil, the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God all dwelt there. And those things weren't to be peeked at, looked at, touched, or seen by anybody else. Who could see that stuff? High priest. How often? Once a year on Yom Kippur. And if he wasn't right, what happened? He died. That stuff was holy. So I just want to take us back because we we could we could talk about these things, but not not let it really marinate. What would it have been like to be in service? And there's something in the room that God is saying, if you go peek at that, you're going to die. Anybody here curious? Anybody here got a little curious spirit? You got you get you, people people leave and you like. I wonder what is that over there? They had you start. You, you, any peekers in here? Some of you mommies like peeking and stuff and everything else. You wouldn't you wouldn't be good for you, right? When I was a kid, my mom was the worst snooper ever. She would snoop in your stuff, but you always knew she had snooped because she couldn't put stuff back. Right now, kids text message, right? But when I was in school. Everybody, the girls folded letters up and they they could like take a letter and fold it up into a heart with a tag that says pull here and you can pull it out and unfold it and read it and fold it all back up. Anybody is that, anybody from that era? Some of you guys? OK, so my mom, I have all these letters from people from school or whatever, and I leave them folded up. I come home and all the letters are unfolded. Like they're, they're, they, She tried to put them back together. But none of them are the way they were, so I'm like, you know, she'd have been in the box. She'd have been reading my letters, reading my stuff. She, she was a snooper, you know, but I always knew she had been there. In this instance here, if you got nosy about these articles, these items, and you snooped, everybody would know because you would be dead. Um, and so here he's saying, hey, warn them that they wouldn't do that. These things are holy. They're set apart. Only the priest is supposed to see these things when he's supposed to see them uh, once a year. We need to be reminded sometimes of the fact that God is holy. Um, We live in a very casual culture and people get very casual in their relationship with God. And I've always really hated the the T-shirts and the stickers that say Jesus is my homeboy and just kind of demotes him to something less than what he is. He's God almighty. And yes, the Bible says that that he's our friend. Yes, the Bible says that he loves us. He's a father to us. Um, But there's a reverence that we're to come before him with. There should be a, a holy reverence and a fear of the Lord that we carry that we wouldn't just, God's not a common, he's not a common person. Um, there's a reverence that we're to approach him with. And so there were things here that God said, these items, these articles, they're holy, they're set apart and they're not to be treated as common things, not even to look or touch upon them. And so the Kohathites here are told this now, um, there's a story in First Samuel chapter 6 um, where people didn't heed God's command in this way. And uh, there's a couple times in scripture where people touched in an an inappropriate way. They touched these holy things and it didn't go well. And so in first Samuel chapter six, some of you guys will be familiar with the story, the ark, the Philistines had the ark and it was going to be recovered and and brought back. And as it was, um, people wanted to, to get a peek. They wanted to take a look at it. They wanted to see it and people died. People wanted. To, people peeked in and, and took a look. Um, there's the, the instance where um, uh, David was bringing home the ark, and it was they were carrying it. And when they got it from the Philistines, God had told them it should be carried on the poles. And God had been very specific about who was to carry it, how was it to be carried, all these different things. The Philistines, who don't know God, had it on a, a cart, and I guess that cart looked a little more convenient than the poles. And so when the children of Israel went and took it back, they said that, that cart's all right. Let's just take it back on the cart, and they're moving it on the cart. And as it's on the cart moving, uh, they must have hit some some uneven terrain, and the ark tipped. And this guy named Uzzah reached up to, just to steady it so it wouldn't fall. But what happened when he touched it? He died. And David was bummed out. He was upset. I mean, he just died. Uzzah died for touching it. He was trying to do a holy thing in an unho- unholy way. He was trying to do a good thing. But he wasn't doing it in the way God had prescribed. And there's a lesson in that for us, right? They took something that the world was doing, carrying the ark on a cart, and they decided we're going to try to do it the way that they do it. And God said, nope, I prescribe how it's to be done. We need to be very careful as a church that we don't pick up ideas about how to do the things that we do from the world. That we don't look at how the world does things. I would do it like that. Taking their ideas, taking their carnal methods, and bringing it over here, and saying that's how we're going to do it. Their churches right now, that if you look at how they run and structure, they they take secular business models. Said now we're going to do church just like that. So it runs like a corporation, and it feels like a business. It doesn't feel like a ministry. It doesn't feel like a place where Jesus is meeting with people and healing people, where the most important thing is His glory and loving people. It feels like a, a business. You go into business. What's the goal of going into business? Making money. And some of those places that take that model and they start running like that before long, they start looking like a business and function like a business and they look like it's all about the money. It's not about people. It's not about Jesus anymore. So we gotta be cautious and careful that we don't take our cues from the world. We wanna get our instruction from the Lord about the way that we're to do things and how we're to do it. So they were told here not to, not to touch it and that was how they were gonna be kept alive. Um, they weren't to mess with the mercy seat. They weren't to peek into it uh, they weren't to touch these different articles um, or else uh, they could die. And, um, you know, some may read that and say, That's, that seems kind of severe. You're like, how come they could, you know, why die? And I believe, as you look under the old covenant, many things that God said, no, you die for it. and This is what I know. It's, it's true in our culture. It's true today, too. If there's something that you know the, the ramification for doing it is death, it just doesn't get done. People don't do it. Right. In our society, in California, we have a problem with murder. We have a problem with rape. We have problems with all sorts of things that other places in the world don't have the problem. We have the same people, but they don't have a problem with it because they penalize it with death. Do you know in the countries where rape is punishable by death? They don't have a rape problem. They don't have a problem with it. Doesn't happen. Because men ain't that stupid. Um, They're not that carnal. I mean, if you know that this will cost you your life, they say, Ah, oh, maybe not. Um, in the countries where stealing something will cost you a limb. I don't want it that bad. I'm going to just go without. You know, they just make better decisions. Uh, but in a country like ours where you can kill three times and still get out to do it again, people feel free to do it. So I look at this and say, God, God was just making a point. I really don't want you touching it. If you touch it, you'll die. It'll be an example to everybody else not to do what you did. And so it'll keep people from getting comfortable doing what they shouldn't do. So I always look at this when I read my Old Testament and I look at things for which God said, if you do that, you'll die. Even though I'm not under the old covenant and I'm under grace, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so I at least... When I see those things, I learn about God's care. I learned, I learned that there's some things that God must really not like. Everything's not equal to God. Some people say, all sin is the same. Can I tell you guys that's not true? Y'all know that's not true? Is all sin is not the same to God? You read your Old Testament. Some sins, you got to get out of the camp. Some sins, you got to go take a bath. Got to go ceremonial, wash. Some sins, God says you'll be killed for it. So when I read that, I, don't, I, can't, I can't read that and say, all sin is the same. God says, no, for that, you'll be punished lightly. For this one, you'll be punished a little more severely. For this one, you'll be punishable by death. Then I believe that all sin is the same in the sense that it's sin, but there are some things that are worse. So, you know, we've been made in the image of God. We've been given, we, we have a lot of the way that we are, um, it's come from him. And so the fact that you feel different about a liar than a murderer, That's because it's different. Those are different crimes. Those are different infractions. And so um, when I read things in the scripture where God says, man, for that you would die, even though you might not die for it now, I'm at least made aware that, man, God's serious about this. There are things that God wants to be set apart as holy. And here he wanted to be obeyed. He wanted them to do it the way he wanted it done. He wanted obedience from them. And we learned that obedience is better than what? Better than sacrifice. Better than offering up stuff to God. Your obedience is better than that to God. So moving on now, look at verse um, 21 through 28. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, also take a census of the sons of Gershon by their family's house, by their families. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them. All who enter to perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting, this is the service of the family of the Gershonites in serving and carrying. They shall carry the curse. So the the Gershonites are going to carry a different thing. They're going to carry the curtains. Verse 25, the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its covering, the coverings of badger skins that is on it, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the gate of the court, the hangings of the court which are around the tabernacle and altar, and the cords, all the furnishings for the service and all that is made for these things so they shall serve. Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites all their task and all their service and you shall appoint to them all their task and their duty. This is the service of the families of the son of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting and their duties shall be under the authority of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. So this group right here uh, the sons of Gershon they also had duties. The stuff they were going to carry is not as cool as the stuff that was going to be carried by Kohath. The Kohath had all the really intricate, important things of the tabernacle. They had kind of the outer workings. They had the, the tent coverings, the, the, the screen doors. The things that they had didn't seem to be as significant or as important or as detailed of items, but this was going to be their part. I call this chapter, I titled a Spiritual Teamwork because what if Kohath shows up? What all the inside stuff that's not to be looked upon is all wrapped up in special color cloth and badger skins and everything else. What if they did their part and they all carry the the showbread table and the the candlestick? All these things got brought. But what if this group, what if the sons of Gershom said, I don't feel like my job is as important, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bring the tent coverings. I'm not going to bring the screen door. Then the work stops, doesn't get to go forth right? That was going to be their assignment, but they both need each other. And uh, I point that out because in the body of Christ is the same way. There could be people in the body of Christ that feel like their role or their job or their function just doesn't feel as important as another person's function. Maybe it's not up front. Maybe it's not visible by many. Maybe people don't see it and acknowledge it and say thank you for it, but it's critical. Uh, It's critically important. It's necessary. Um, When I first started doing high school ministry, there was a young man that had been, he had been kind of with the junior high pastor before. Then he had come to high school and he had worked with the pastor before. He was a student, but he was also serving in the ministry as a student. So when I took over high school ministry, um, he was still there and helping serve me, serving with me along things. So we were doing our first high school winter camp, which is a really big deal. And 90 some kids, you're taking them up the mountain and Um, You know, there's all these things you need to prepare for. I've never done it before. It's my first time doing it. And I'll never forget, this kid showed up at a Wednesday night, and he had made this checklist for me. And he said, hey, uh, every year that we go, this was a checklist that I would do for Pastor Mike. And it's all the different things that you need to make sure you have. And I remember taking that checklist. And if I were to be totally honest with you, I probably had 20% of the checklist. But I needed 100% of the things that were on it. And I was so thankful for this kid. I mean, there are things that I just hadn't thought of. I'm like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. I do need a a sound system. Oh, I hadn't thought about this. I do need a first aid kit. I hadn't thought about that. I do need to bring the the first, you know, we have a first aid book, but I need one with only the kids that we're going to take their stuff. And there were all these things that he brought. And I thought, wow. Now... I do the camp, you know, I take all these kids up and we have this awesome time and we bring them back and parents are thanking me. Thank you so much, Pastor Bill, I appreciate you and oh, you're such a great guy. And this guy, he really made it go. You know, he gave me the list, he helped me serve, he did all these different things, but his role maybe wasn't seen or acknowledged, but it was critical to everything going in the way that glorify God and minister to people best. You may have a role like that, not seen or knowledge or celebrated or thanked or whatever. And you really got to have the heart that says, I do this as unto the Lord. I I do this for God. And if nobody ever sees it, I'm content to do it for the Lord. Anybody in ministry here, we have to serve God like that. We have to serve him in a way that says, God, if nobody thanks me, if nobody thinks it's great, if it, if it, it just, I do it for you. And I give it my all because I do it as unto you, Lord. That's how we want to serve the Lord, that we just, we do our best, we give it our all, but we do it as unto the Lord and not to men. Uh, this is Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Uh, it says, do all that you do heartily, means with all your heart, as unto the Lord and not to men, because you serve the Lord Christ, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And so we do our work as unto him, knowing that our reward is from him, and we don't do it for men. Because if you do it as unto men, you'll be really bummed out when nobody noticed that you worked really hard. I did this for three days and nobody said nothing. That's when you know that you didn't do it for the Lord. Because you was looking for somebody to acknowledge it. No, I didn't say thank you. I ain't doing it next week. You know, That's when you know that you, you didn't have it right. But when you do it as unto the Lord, whether it's acknowledged or not, seen or not, The contentment is that, God, I did this for you. And I I know it glorified you. I know it blessed you. And you know what? When you serve it unto the Lord, your service never goes unseen because God sees everything. He catches it all. He doesn't miss anything. Anything you do for him, he never misses one thing that you do for him. And so that'll save us um, because everybody's role and function in the body is not a visible one. You know, Paul, he talked about this. He said that sometimes it's the unseemly members that are the most critical. Think about your physical body. The most important parts of your physical body you can't see. I can't see your internal organs. I can't see your heart or your blood flow. I can't see those things, but they're the most critical thing about you. They keep you living, right? I can't see those things, but they're critical to your your living and breathing and, and having life. When I'm looking at you guys right now, the stuff I see is not that important. Your hair, your skin, Your clothing, your fingers, I mean, they're important, right? We're looking at them. We care about how our faces look or whatever, but they're not that critical. They're not the most important things. And many times in the body of Christ, those those things that are most critical, somebody that's at home praying that God shows up, nobody ever saw him. But it was the most critical function of the ministry that went forth, someone that was dedicated to prayer for the work that God was going to do.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the Book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The Book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, And the nation as a whole but god is still here and he's proven time and time again that he's not leaving you or abandoning you so when you're tempted to get down and out chin up and remember that he is faithful the messages you've been listening to are in ministry of calvary chapel inglewood if you're ever in or near the inglewood area you're more than welcome to join us for church we meet at Calvary Chapel Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310 245 4811. Again, that's 310 245 4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryenglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.